Happy Thursday, everyone. This is a bonus episode of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. I didn't give it a number because I already had all of my promotional cards numbered for the week. And so we're just going to call this one a bonus episode. But first, we have to start with some sad news. So there was a guest on the show last year. It was on the first panel show that I did. We did it on race relations and... This young man was such, he was such passionate about the topic. Like he dedicated his life to uplifting the black community and amplifying black voices. He was into music. He was into shooting music videos. And I just found out today that sadly he passed away in August. And his name was Professor Biz. And I only spoke to this guy once, but just the impact that he had on that episode, just the insight that he brought being born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. And it just made for an amazing episode. And I want to give him one more opportunity to have his voice heard on this show. So here is a clip of him speaking. Black. Stressed. When their money isn't in the black. Let's speak about the people. Let's get back. Because the shades of brown skin are simple, get complex. Men are more than say it with your chest. Women are more than beauty and sex. Outward displays with no internal change, I ain't impressed. Women want to be listened to, hugged, loved. They scream, protect me when I feel it. See, like you can just hear the passion in, in his voice. So he's leaving behind a wife and two young kids. Like I'm, I'm getting choked up, and I only spoke to this guy once, but just picturing just leaving those those two young kids behind. So, ugh, unfortunately, we have to start out the show with that. Shout out to him and his family. And I got to play the intro video so I can recompose myself. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. Starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. Nothing like watching a video about myself to help me get come back into the right the right uh, frame of mind after starting off with the sad news from uh, business passing. All right, so today's episode we're going to be talking about paying down over a hundred thousand dollars in student debt. And so I happen to be personally connected with today's guest because she is one of my longest tenured fitness clients. Actually, I think you are the longest. 
That depends on Frank. Because every now and then, Frank bops in, in, in and out. So when Frank shows up again, he takes the top spot. But currently, so she has been with me since 2011, I believe. Possibly even 2010. But I think it's 2011. So 10 years she's been putting up with me. And she uses words uh, like egregious and um, blasphemous. And, you know, these other words when I... You know, sometimes might forget our appointments, but she always forgives me because I come back with a smile and a charm and she just can't be mad at me. So let's bring her on to the show. Welcome, Melody. Hello, Robert. Thank you for having me. <laughs> nice <I'm> intro. <laughs> you like that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you are here in Rhode Island. So where, where are you joining us from? Providence. Capital Providence. City. The PVD. That's it. Awesome. And where are you from originally? New York. New York. What part? Yes, Manhattan. Manhattan. I was born in Queens. Well, yes. far, far Rockaway. So <laughs> yeah. Far away. Part of Queens, you know. I don't know if it counts as me being from New York if I came to Rhode Island when I was a child. Well, me too. We <laughs> yeah. I, I would say I'm born there. Like, I was born in New York. I have the only recollections I really have is just going back to visit family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, I don't remember anything about actually living there. Okay. So yeah, I did spend my childhood there, summers, holidays, through like the age of 16. Hmm. And then so what brought your family up here? So my mother decided to come to Rhode Island just because cost of living, you know, safety concerns with New York. Obviously, it's a very expensive place, especially living in Manhattan. So she thought this would be a better opportunity to start fresh. Nice. Yeah, that's very similar to my parents. Um, yeah, dad got a job up here at Electric Boat building submarines. And so he actually came up here first. And then once they got the house down in Charlestown, then he, he went back to the city, got my mom and us, and we moved up here. Been up here ever since. And I ain't mad because I saw the neighborhood where they were living when I was born. <laughs> I ain't mad. <laughs> Very appreciative for, for my, my rural upbringing. <laughs> I don't know about rural. I'm a city girl. Yeah. But you know what? I can appreciate certain aspects of Rhode Island, yeah. but I definitely like living in a large city. Yeah, I'm just the opposite. You know, <laughs> I like I like mountains. I like trees. I like nature. It's like, give me woods all day long. <laughs> I like it. I just don't want to live there. <laughs> gotcha. See, like, and, and I can navigate the cities. I just don't want to live there. <laughs> so we're going to plead opposite side yes. from there. So, all right. So let's get to know you. So who is Melody? Melody is a hustler, okay? (laughs) A renaissance woman. Um, I am somebody who loves to travel, loves a good laugh, good belly laugh. um, And I love to have a good time, but I also am a hard worker and I hustle. So that that hustle and grind is what helped to get me out of debt. Because really nothing is beneath me. I'll do whatever I have to do. As long as it's legal. Yes. <laughs> I, I love that. Nothing is beneath me. Because yeah. honestly, with with us Americans, that's a problem. Because mm-hmm. there are definitely things that we won't do. <clears throat> and then, like, I can tell you from being in a restaurant, having the majority of the back of the house in, in the restaurants I've worked in, you know, I don't want to stereotype all restaurants, but the back of the house is predominantly Hispanics. Mm-hmm. And like their work ethic is unmatched. You know, it's like you'll, you'll take any, any race of American, like American born person and be like, Hey, somebody, you know, crapped all over the wall in the bathroom. I'm like, I ain't clean. You don't pay me enough to clean that. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, you tell tell little Pablo from from Belize, <laughs> you know, Papi, you know, somebody caca on the walls. Yeah. Kaka. Okay, boss. <laughs> he go, he grabs his bleach and his gloves and he goes to town. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you do what you have to do. I mean, <laughs> I think I think a lot of people feel like, oh, you know, I have this degree or I have this experience or I learned the skill or trade or whatever. But for me, pursuing my further education is exactly what got me into debt. So I'm like, I, I can't sit around and wait to make the money. I have to go out there and hustle. So I did anything and everything. <laughs> so where did that hustle come, come from? So like, did you have it at, at a young age or just something that you learned along the way? I think I've always been a hustler. Like, I remember, so my family, my mom is Dominican, my father's from Haiti, so they all, like, my family comes from the island, so when I used to go to New York in the summers, and my grandmother would collect these bins, I don't know if you've ever seen them, like, you know, they go to the Caribbean or, like, Africa, people fill up these huge containers with things to send there, cell phones, clothing, undergarments, whatever, and I remember my grandmother was collecting things, and I saw some things that still had tags on them, I'm like, wait a minute. I might be able to sell this. And I remember I was in the sixth grade. So I took some items. This was obviously before cell phones and everything. So when I came back home to Rhode Island at the end of the summer to come back to school, I said to my mother, I said, I'm having a back to school sale. Call all your friends who have small children. (laughs) So I laid out all the clothing that had the tags on it and I sold it. And that was like my back to school money. Nice. Yeah. I've always been a hustler. I love that. It's like when, when my dad passed, he had just so much stuff mm-hmm. in, in his garage. And it's like the epitome of organized chaos because he knew where everything was in that hellhole. And it really <laughs> was a hellhole where he could tell you, you know, get me the air gun, go in the back left corner under the under the whatever. And like, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he could tell you where everything was. So when he passed, you know, we had the daunting task of navigating through all of that stuff. And my mother was just making this pile of stuff to just either throw into the dumpster or to send to uh, the scrap metal. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, mom, I'm like somebody will buy this. And yes. She's like, she's like, who is going to buy it? I'm like, you will be surprised. Like there were these, mm-hmm. these uh, metal beams, almost like support beams, I guess. They were kind of rusted. And I told her, I was, I was like, just list those on the marketplace. And she's like, no one's going to buy these things. Somebody drove 90 minutes. <laughs> and paid her over a hundred dollars for these yes. things that she was about to scrap for ten cents on the pound. Mm-hmm. You know, I told her, I said, I said, you will be surprised. It's the epitome of one man's trash and another man's treasure. It's like yes. you have no idea what someone might be looking for in this moment. And she made a bundle mm-hmm. selling a lot of that stuff. And uh, I told her, I was like, just just have a garage sale. I said, let's go through like once once we got it cleaned and organized. You know, like she had a lot of shelving and stuff. I said, let's go through and then just have a garage sale, like have 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 a mechanic sale. So that, that way mechanics will come because we didn't know what everything was. <laughs> so, yeah. so people were like, what's this? I was like, that's a solid question. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody so, will buy it. They'll figure out what it is. Yeah. You know, so get get a mechanic, you know, get construction workers. Like they'll they'll know what to do with this stuff. Yeah. But like one one of the things that she kind of just wrote off, I, I feel like somebody paid her five hundred dollars for. Ooh, yeah, and that's good money. And I, and I told her I was like, if they paid you five hundred, it was probably worth more. Exactly. <laughs> you know, because when people give you just face value, you undercharge. 
Yes. And they're like, I got a deal. I'm going to give her cash and run with it. Yeah. They're like, hundred yeah. bucks done. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if they agree that fast, you undervalued yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Because they're not haggling. They're like, hundred dollars. I'm taking this and I'm running with it. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's too funny. All right. So what was your childhood dream? Like, what did you see yourself doing career wise? I was going to be a doctor, specifically a forensic pathologist. Okay. And you thought of that at what age? Oh my gosh, since I was at least five or six. Because I'm 47 and I don't know what that is. Yeah, so <laughs> my dream was always like to do autopsies and like crime scene investigations. Okay. So I love all that like blood, guts, and gore, all things I know you don't like. Which uh, yeah, I like your crazy love. side is surfacing right now. <laughs> I love that stuff. So I'm like, oh my gosh, cutting people open and, you know, figuring out, you know, sometimes people just pass away. They don't know why a healthy person and, you know, kind of figuring out what happened, the science behind it and the pathology. So that really interested me. Yeah, actually, my daughter, uh, Kaylin, she's interested in forensic science. Yeah. Yeah, she wants she wants to, to get into all that. And, you know, I, I encourage, I just told her to just keep in mind that you might have to go to some really gruesome scenes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, so just make just make sure you're aware of that reality. You know, like watching it on TV is one thing. Yes. You know, like imagine the people that had to go to, to the Sandy Hook site several years back. You know what I mean? Talking 20 plus first graders. It's like you gotta have the you gotta have the gumption to be able to, to deal with that. Cause I know I, I couldn't do it. Like yeah. that's not like I I belong in front front of the camera, mic in my hand entertaining and motivating people like that's my jam like that that's all you oh my gosh that's all you and my kid i love it so um i had surgery two years ago and before they took me like you know before they put me to sleep i said to the doctor i'm like if you can take a picture and and give it to me and (laughs) sure enough she gave me a picture and then i had an endoscopy you know uh, earlier this year and i said to the to the doctor i'm like hey if you can while you're doing your biopsy, take a picture of what's in there. I'd love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I have those pictures. Yep. That ain't, that ain't me. Nope. Yes. That ain't I me love it. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into, into the paying down student debt, I just feel like this is relevant to what you just said. Sure. So, so I had a colonoscopy a few years ago, right? <laughs> and, and before, <laughs> <laughs> so the anesthesiologist says, do you want to be awake for it so you can watch it? I said, who the hell wants to watch this? Me. <laughs> I was like, do people actually say yes? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, you knocked me the F out. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't want any part of this at all. Like, I don't I... even want it done. You know, but like <laughs> they, they they found a suspicious polyp in my mom, like, I don't know, eight years ago. So all of us kids have to have it done every five years now. Yes. You know, so I was like, I don't want any any part of this procedure at all. It's like, I'm not 50 years old yet. I am that patient. Like I had a dental surgery, gosh, maybe like 10 years ago. And they don't put you to sleep for that. So you're laying back. And I was like, man, I want to see what they're doing. So, you know, I'm mouthing to him. I'm like, I want to see. So he gave me a mirror and I'm holding it up to see what they're doing. Yeah. I love all that stuff. All right. All right, so you graduate college. What was your first job out of college? I was a research assistant at the hospital. Okay, researching what? Um, I was doing pediatric asthma research, and then from there I went to internal medicine. And then I was dabbling, so I had two jobs. I worked full-time doing maternal fetal medicine research, so like high-risk pregnancies. 
Okay. And then a few nights a week, I was helping out with like diabetes research, so internal medicine. And how, how long did you do that? Oh, gosh, I did research in many capacities from 2009 until last year. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> so what was it like working through the, I mean, I know the pandemic's technically still going, but yeah. like just working when everything was, wasn't, I mean, we actually have more information now. Mm-hmm. So what was it like going through it? without really knowing what the hell's happening? I think it was hard, especially working in a hospital setting, right? Because Mm -hmm. everything changed at the drop of a dime. So you went from, you know, hearing things about, oh, there's this virus in Asia, you know, and then we were getting emails. If you've traveled to any of these countries, you need to stay home and you need to, you know, talk to employee health. So we were hearing little things, but you really didn't know. So it was business as usual. And then literally that one day in March last year is when everything changed. And they were like, you have to wear a mask, you have to do this, you have to do that. And then I transitioned from being in the hospital to working at home. So I have never worked from home. And I'm certainly not a social butterfly. But I was like, this is bogus. I was like, I do not (laughs) want to work at home. My home is my sanctuary. But, you know, I've learned over the course of the pandemic, I changed from one position to another. Yeah. That not only is it the job, but it's also like, you know, the setting you're in. So I'm in a completely different situation now than I was last year. So I'm happy working from home. But I think the pandemic definitely showed people how to adapt and adjust. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and I I remember that day in March last year because because 2020 was supposed to be my breakout year as a speaker. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, I actually had gigs lined up. I actually had two at Rhode Island Hospital. I was supposed to do one in one first week in April, one in the third week in April with uh, New England Donor Services. I remember. Yep, and so it was March 1st was when we had the the Obstacle Course Race Expo in Warwick. And that was my, that, that was the first one. So I was able to do that one. And then I think it was on the third was when everything, every, mm-hmm. well, well, third was when COVID first arrived here. Well, when, when it was first. In uh, Rhode Island. Yeah. And in, in Rhode Island. And then I feel like I pulled out of the gym a week early just because I saw what was happening in Spain and Italy. Mm-hmm. And so. And then I think I think it was like the, the eighth or the tenth, somewhere around there, was when everything just went to hell. And that was <laughs> it. And it's literally yeah. never been the same since. Yep, exactly. So so in that in that time frame, you know, you and I were having conversations about how you were very very determined to pay down your debt. Yeah. So so from the time you graduated, like when did that process start? Like when when did you realize you know what this needs to go away? So I graduated in 2009 with my undergraduate degree. And then that during that time I was working, I already had credit card debt. I had car loans. I had everything. You name it, I had it. Yeah. So I wasn't even really like, I was, you know, maintaining it. I was on top of it. I wasn't delinquent, but I had student loans. I had a car loan. I had credit cards. And I was just kind of living the American dream, right? I was trying to get my credit score up. I wasn't even thinking about tackling it. And then I started to apply to medical school and I just randomly applied to a school that was out of the country. They had done a presentation at URI where I went to school and randomly like the advisor contacted me and said, oh, we we spoke at this time and you, you expressed interest in the school. So I went to an open house and I was like, that's it. I'm applying. So because it's a school out of the country, 
they don't receive Title IV funds. At least then they didn't. They do now. So Title IV funds is federal money. So I had to apply for private loans. And I applied for the private loans. And of course, no one was going to loan uh, a 20-something-year-old with no collateral $200,000. So that was my first taste of seeing how my poor money management was affecting my future. So I hustled when I was rejected for those loans. I had to defer my acceptance and I hustled. I'm like, okay, I got to pay off these credit cards at least and get rid of this. So I was hustling, like working, taking the page or being on call for research when somebody had their baby and we had to collect a sample or weigh the baby or do whatever I was going in one in the morning, two in the morning on the weekends, whatever. And I was able to get rid of some credit cards. I reapplied for the loan like a year later. Same thing happened. I'm like, at this point, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to school. So I started applying for scholarships, this, that, the other. I couldn't get anything. So I'm like, I've already deferred twice. I think I need to accept the fact that I have to withdraw. So I withdrew. And then I started working on my master's. Well, of course, I racked up debt from my master's because I went to a school in the U.S. I took out student loans. So I still wasn't even thinking about the loans from undergrad because I was back in school. So they deferred them. Yeah. So I really didn't get a taste of, oh, my God, you owe all this money until I finished grad school. And you get that letter in the mail like, hey, in six months, you have to pay this amount of money. And when I saw the letter, I almost fell over. I just was like, oh, my God, I owe so much money. I don't even make what I owe in a year, Mm, you know? Okay. (laughs) So what were your next steps? So after... After I saw that, I was like, how do I how, like, how do I even get out of this mess? I wasn't familiar with like any, you know, now there's a whole debt-free community, right? There's a whole following. There's It's on social media because of the student loan crisis, right? So wait, wait, let, let me just jump in real quick because I can tell you what doesn't work is just ignoring it and just thinking <laughs> it'll go away, right? Yeah. That that doesn't work. It doesn't work because <laughs> even, though, even though I left school, I did finish like a semester and a half-ish, I want to say, mm-hmm. and... You know, young, dumb, the bill came and said, yeah, I ain't messing with that. <laughs> and, then, and so that was in 1994, I believe. <laughs> and I think I finally finished paying it off, I think, in 2009, <laughs> maybe <laughs> even 2010. <laughs> yeah, so and you paid more than you borrowed, right? Because oh, yeah. of the interest. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? What do I do? How am I going to get myself out of this mess? So it's, it was like the universe was working for me to get myself out of this mess. So I go on Facebook, which, you know, I'm really bad with social media. I go on Facebook, and this girl I went to college with posted how – she had just paid off her student loans and some other debt. And, you know, I was like, congratulations. And I sent her a message. I'm like, how did you do it? She mm-hmm. told me about this program she did at her church called Financial Peace University. Yeah. It really was like a domino effect. So now I go on the Financial Peace University website. I look up, type in my zip code, and I see that they're offering one at a church in Johnston. Well, it just so happened to be the church my coworker attended at the time and she wanted me to go with her. I'm like, look at this. It's like everything is falling into place. Mm -hmm. So I started going to the classes, the financial peace classes. And, you know, you're talking to different people who are in the same situation, right? All types of people, mortgages, bankruptcy, car loan, credit cards, student loans, everything. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And I became very friendly with the person who was teaching the class. He's like my mentor. And I was like, okay, I have to find a side hustle. I have to find a better paying full-time job. I have to start budgeting. I have to do this. I have to do that. I was definitely that person 
who is screaming, I'm broke. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I can't do this. And the fact was that I was eating all of my money, really. Like swiping my debit card here, there, Dunkin', McDonald's, Cheesecake Factory, you know, whatever. I was not thinking about it. As long as the bills were paid and if I had an extra couple hundred, then I was eating that money. So, and I got on a budget. I got a better paying full-time job. And then I side hustled on the evenings, weekends, holidays. I was working at one of my many side hustle jobs. See, that goes back to what we were saying earlier about being willing to do what it takes. Mm-hmm. You know, because like I tell people nowadays, there's there's real there's really no excuse. No, it really isn't. And so there's so many different ways to get paid. Like I always say, everybody shops on Amazon, but nobody realizes you can make money on Amazon. Yes, you can buy <laughs> stuff. I was reading about this couple that used to buy seasoning from Trader Joe's mm-hmm. and sell it on Amazon, and they have like a million dollar business i'm like from seasoning yeah but, but like you don't even have to do do that anymore you can open up an amazon store you can sell their products and, mm-hmm. and and you get a commission they do all the fulfillment they do the shipping they do the payment processing and and then you get cut cut a commission so depending on whatever it is you like if you like home decor you can make a home decor shop and mm-hmm. there's there's freelancers who will build the sites for you and the free the freelancers I, I believe Olivia paid 70 bucks for hers. She has one. Yeah. You know, like she wanted to do uh, like home home decor for co- college students. You know, so when people go and they want to decorate their their dorm rooms. Yeah. Yeah, like if I want to do one for fitness, I could. If you want to do one for whatever whatever it is, you know, if you want to sell credit repair books. Yeah. There's there's one person who sells a water bottle. He says that one item makes him $4,000 a month on, on Amazon. 4K. Oh. Selling a water bottle <laughs> that he just found and just runs, you know, he has his affiliate link and he runs ads to it. Yeah. That's that. That's it. He puts it, I think he said about $800 a month into the ad spend. And people are like, oh my God, that's so much. Like, but he makes 4000 Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so like nowadays there's really, there's really no reason. Like I told my, I told my daughter, like when you graduate, you shouldn't have any debt, none. It was like, they're just, it's just too easy to make money online mm-hmm. with, with minimal effort. Yes. This is a different generation though, right? Because I, I'm a millennial. So I came at the time where like the internet was a thing, right? Yeah. So like when I was in college, you know, using your cell phone and all that costs money. So like you couldn't text, you couldn't go online. Everything was money, Mm. money, money. So now it's a different generation where they can just use everything at school and sell stuff and flip things. I didn't have that luxury. Like that's now. But yeah. I, I think one of the things is for me, like a lot of people, I have a master's degree, right? So I went into looking for side hustles thinking, oh, no one's going to hire me. I have a master's degree. They're going to say, why the heck does this girl want to be a receptionist or this or that? Mm. I was very fortunate that people gave me a chance yeah. because I side hustled, okay? I was there. I'm like, <laughs> listen, you're, the whites of my eyes are going to be the first thing you people see when you walk through that door because I am working, <laughs> okay? I need money. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, yeah. Back back in the day, I was a kitchen manager. Right? I was a kitchen manager, but I still cooked at another place two two days a week. Mm-hmm. And same thing. Like that was just my my kick around fund. And mm-hmm. and it was like, why? Why are you doing that? Like, don't you don't you make make money as, as a manager? Like, well, I do, but that doesn't mean I can't make more. Yeah. <laughs> it's why like, not? 
It's like, that's the beauty of this country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you have that capability. But just, just the problem is that a lot of people don't want to do that. No. Some people, they don't want to sacrifice. So, like, I, I literally worked every weekend, mm-hmm. every holiday. And people are like, I don't want to work weekends. I'm like, I understand. Do I want to be there? No. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, like, but do you want to be broke? Exactly. Or it's <laughs> like, work weekends now for a short amount of time and have the freedom to do whatever I want with my time for the rest of my life. Because, sure. yeah, because getting out of debt afforded me the luxury to really do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Exactly. A short-term sacrifice, long-term gain. Exactly. You know, like people come, come to me with, with fitness all the time. And they're like, you know, it's tough, for, it's tough for me to get to the gym. I have two young kids and I work nine to five. I'm like, I have classes at 5.15 and 6 a.m. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I'm like, you just sat here singing me the song and dance of how your clothes don't fit. You don't like like your reflection in the mirror. I'm like, like, so none of that matters. Like, you just want convenience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because if, if you want, if you really, really want to do that thing, then you will do those things to get that thing. Exactly. It's true. It's true. Yeah. You have to build the whole schedule. So when I decided to get out of debt and I started crunching numbers, I figured out how much I was being charged in interest per day. Mm -hmm. Then I multiplied that by 30 or 31, depending on the month times 12. I'm like, okay, I'm going to tack that onto my principal balance. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to, it's going to take me four years. And my goal was I want to be done before the end of 2020. So I gave myself until December 31st, 2020. Yeah. And I started paying December of 2016. Like if I pay around like anywhere between like 25 and $27,000 a year, then I'll be done. And it sounded crazy, right? Because I was making like 55 and I thought I was rich because that was the first <laughs> job I got that paid me that much. And yeah. I think, I think what, what really was a hindrance to me in the beginning was I have a master's degree. I have this degree. I speak Spanish. I'm this, you know, I have this experience. I should be making a hundred thousand dollars. Well, that wasn't the case. And I don't think I can't waste any more time looking and looking and looking for people to pay me more money. I just got to hustle. So I worked on that budget and I was like, I'm going to do what I have to do. So I would go to work at the hospital, leave there and go to my side hustle and then come home and do it again every single day. And then I would work, all day on the weekends at the side hustle, I would be there on holidays. And then I started picking up other side hustles. So I would go to a different side hustle every day. <laughs> See, and you know, the best thing that you've said so far, because most people make excuses and they point fingers for their situations. And you said, how am I going to get myself out of this mess? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like out of everything you said, that one right there is the most powerful. Because once people realize it's in your hands, that's when things change. Like, you can't be waiting for your situation to change. You can't be waiting to find find a partner so you can split bills. You know, it's not the government or the system or systemic something or other. It's you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's you. And then once you realize it's you, like, you remember the, the nonsense I was going through with my former business partners. And for the longest time, I was blaming them. Well, this is happening because they're doing X, Y, Z. You know, this is happening because of of, uh, X, Y, Z. And then once it was like, you know what? I'm allowing it. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, what's done is done. Like, I'm allowing this to affect me in this way. 
Yes. And then so I was able to move past that once I put the blame on myself. Yes. You know? yeah. So as long as we keep doing this, the situation's never, ever going to change. So No. One thing I learned was, you know, what did I do? Like, what was my part in this situation? And I have to say, I was completely reckless. Like, anytime I got those letters to sign up for the loans, I signed up for it. Whatever the amount was, even if I didn't need the money. I, I might have gotten a letter saying, yeah, I qualified for 20000 I might have needed seven for that semester. I took it. Yeah. Credit cards, swipe, swipe, swipe. And you know what? It was my fault. I really, like, I didn't need to go out to eat all the time. Like, I didn't yeah. need to finance my <laughs> dining out, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah. you do that. And then before you realize it, you owe $20,000 in credit cards. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. and, and it, it comes back to bite you. And I realized, I'm like, you know what? I can't do anything. I can't, I can't even move. Like, I, I can't do anything. I can't pursue school. I can't do anything because I owe so much money. Because before I paid off the student loans, I paid off like $14,000 in credit cards. And then before that, I paid off my car. Yeah. So it's really more than 107, but I really focused, like I was laser focused on that 107 in those four years. I mean, just paying off over six figures anyway in four (laughs) years is like, damn. Yeah. And I never (laughs) made six figures. I was never a six figure earner, but I hustled to just give every single penny I could to those loans. And so, so now you you know there's there's haters out there. You know people don't be oh well. You know she doesn't have any kids, and so it's easy for her. Like cut that crap. Like paying that much money is amazing, absolutely amazing. (laughs) And and you did it because you prioritized it. It's like Mm -hmm. you know I have you know handful of kids. Yes, I, I got a handful of kids. But it's like if I sit there and I prioritize whatever it is, that thing is going to happen. Exactly. You know, having having children's not gonna not gonna derail that any. So it, mm-hmm. it just means I might have to have to plan a little a little more precise. You know, because there's less less wiggle room with you know, uh, Kaylin having her her softball tournaments, and you know, the twins are going to be getting into track and basketball. You know, Olivia's going to be going back to school again in the spring, and it's, you know, I'm still paying CJ's college. Yeah, you know, so it's like. But you got to do what you got to do, mm-hmm. you know, but the key word is do what you got to do and stop looking for other ways out. Mm-hmm. I know? agree. When I started, when I got the letter to start paying the loans, I called them immediately and I'm like, well, you know, what do I have to do? Because I don't, I'm a rip the bandaid off type of person. Like I don't like to wait on things. Yeah. So I called them immediately. I'm like, I had a whole bunch of loans and then my loans were taken from one servicer to another. So I had, two different companies for undergrad and graduate. They made it all into one. I consolidated it to make it one payment. And before I got into like a real hardcore budgeting plan, my payment was like $289. And I thought that was too much. I'm like, I can't afford that. That's too much money. So, and it was simply because of my poor money habits. And when I really started to hustle and I was on an income-based repayment plan. Now keep in mind, when I really started to pay, I was making 55,000 and they asked me for my tax forms. I sent it all in and they bumped my payment up to $747. Wow. Which See? was more than my rent. <laughs> See, that's why you don't send them forms. <laughs> it's like, yeah. They can't go looking at my forms and then you decide what I can pay. Yeah. So then I was like, <laughs> all right, I really, I have to hustle this. At this point, this payment is more than my rent. <laughs> I was like, I need to get, like, I need to be done. And it was the best feeling ever. And 
COVID was a good time for me to hustle because they, they stopped the interest. So I was like, okay, I'm not getting charged interest. Now I have to find another job. <laughs> so, so then I started right. doing Instacart. I was, oh, like, nice. I was like, I'm delivering somebody's groceries. Somebody's going to give me a tip. I'm going to do something. I'm like, whatever I have to do to get it done, like that really like pushed me over the edge. I'm like, I got to hustle. If I can just like shave off even a little bit of time, I will be beside myself. And I was able to get it done two and a half months early than my scheduled date of December 31st. Yeah. I remember the countdown. Yes. Yeah. Remember, remember, you're like, yeah, but got five payments left, four payments left. <laughs> yes, I don't think I've ever been so happy in my life. Like, I was just really beside myself because I was like, this was hard. Like, I can't say that it was, I mean, I didn't do anything crazy or strenuous, but literally, I was working seven days a week. Nobody wants I, to do that. I was just going to say, yes, you did, because you sacrificed. Yes. And people have, have trouble sacrificing. Like, I just finally canceled cable last month. Just finally. Like, I struggled <laughs> with it. I struggled with it. Like, and the kids don't, like, they all watch YouTube and TikTok yeah. and stuff. It's like, they don't even really watch the TV. So, like, it was me. And so, I finally, I sat back and I'm like, right, so I'm paying $370 wow. a month to sit on my ass and do nothing. Yes. Right. And so it's like, so what am I actually watching here? Like I watch Sports Center. I can watch it online. I watch First Take. I can watch it online. Couple TV shows I watch. I watch Survivor. I watch Hell's Kitchen. I watch Big Brother. I can watch all three of those online. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so, so I'm sitting there going down the list and, and it's like, you know, the handful of movies that I do watch on the movie channels, uh, they're movies I've already seen. Yes, a million times. <laughs> right? right? Like, Coming to America. Yeah, you know? like, oh, oh, Back to the Future's on <laughs> again. Right? So I'm like, so I'm paying to watch stuff I can watch for free or to watch stuff I've already seen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how stupid is this? It's like, Rob, go online and cancel it. Yeah, you, know? you have so, to. So I have just the internet. So I, I went from $377 a month down to 121 you know what? When I was like at my highest level of being hardcore, I even got rid of the internet. Mm. So I went like out of the four years, I probably went close to two with no internet because yeah. I was never home. I'm like, I literally go from one job to another. I come home, eat, sleep, shower, and go to work. Why yeah. am I paying for internet? But then when I started working from home, like, man, I got to spend that money now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, with, see, with the internet, I, I, that I definitely need, especially last year with the distance learning. <clears throat> Between this one, this computer is hardwired in. So just so like I don't have any freezing during my, my live streams. But then, you know, like Olivia's got homework to do. And then when the three, the three little kids are here, they have their, their homework to do. So it's yeah. like it, it's a necessity. That's why I'm paying the 121 because I got the, the faster one. I, well, it's like they tell you it's faster, but do we really is know it really? it is? Yeah. Like, do, do, we, do we know? No. <laughs> so, that's like so many people are so quick to jump on fitness stuff. Like uh, one of the girls at the gym, she went to, uh, what is it, Five Star Nutrition now or whatever yes, it's called? Yes, or whatever. Yeah, they changed you know, the name. You know, like they get you on the scale. And she says, I left with I left with $300 worth of products. I was like, what the hell did you buy? And he's like, well, they told me I needed X, Y, Z. Like, and you just said, okay? That's what they do. <laughs> they did the same thing to me when I went. Yeah. And then I turned around. I was like, okay, let me think about it. And then 
I went to you. Yeah. So yeah. people want to get you to spend money. And and how and how do they do it? They play on the emotions. Mm-hmm. And you get on the scale, and I, I can't put all women in the same box, but I'd say probably seventy percent will get on the scale and not like the result. Mm-hmm. And then and then that's where they go to work. Hey, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the opposite. I'm like, oh, I lost point five. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord. But but yeah, that's how they that's how, how they get you. Like, think of the uh, infomercials. Like, you know, do you want to help rescue animals? And then you see mm-hmm. the picture of the sad dog, <laughs> you know, or the sad kitty, and then mm-hmm. they just sucks you right into it. It plays you know? on your emotions. Yep. Yeah. All right. So. Let's talk about next steps because I sure. hear you. I hear you might have have a business adventure coming down the pipeline. Yeah. Let's, so let, let me just let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. So let me just tap on. As you know, every time I would go train with you last year, right during COVID, I would be like, "Oh, Robert, I hate my job. I'm so sad. <laughs> like, Lord, just let me get out of debt so I can get out of this place." So, um, I've had you know several job changes since then. I left that job. I went back to my old job. I didn't like that job. And I was I was very unhappy at my job. And it was just a sense of feeling like, what am I accomplishing here? What am I doing here? You know, mm. what am I contributing? And I wasn't feeling like I was contributing. And I can't say like, I went in there and I wanted to punch people and everybody was making me mad. It wasn't that situation. But I'm like, is this like contributing to me growing? Right? What am I learning? Yeah. And I wasn't feeling that way. And because I'm debt free and I had really stashed a lot of the money that I was putting on my loans, like I still side hustled even after I was done for a few months and I just stacked money. Yeah. I was like, I really, I can quit my job. I'm okay mm-hmm. to quit. Yeah. And I'll, I won't struggle. And I still had my side hustle. I'm like, I could pick up hours there if I need to. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm going to do. So I quit my job and I, was, I took a sabbatical for the summer and I started thinking about how when I shared my debt-free journey on social media and people started reaching out to me and they were like, how did you do it? You know, And of course, there are people who won't be interested in working, picking up a job or whatever. And not everyone has to do that because if you're a high earner and you're living paycheck to paycheck, it could simply be because you're not budgeting properly. Mm. So I started thinking about you know, how can I turn this around and make it into a business venture? So I'm working now um, doing my research and talking to some folks to see how I could turn my uh, experience into a business and, and teaching people how to budget and financial coaching so they can find me at Frugal Girl Budgeting on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to start pushing that out and networking and getting to know people and helping people on their financial journey. And where did you get that idea from? <laughs> well... I had been talking to my personal trainer, Robert B. Foster, <laughs> who was encouraging me. And I was being encouraged by a lot of people. But I think what what the issue for me was, like, where do you even start? And there are a lot of resources here in Rhode Island. So I learned of a place through my mentor. And even he was telling me, he was like, you could totally do this. So it's taking some time now for me to figure out, you know, how I want to present it and, you know, setting up ways to communicate with people and send the information out and, you know, pricing and all that stuff. So that's what I'm working on now. But hopefully, I mean, my ultimate goal is to work part-time and do this more often. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like it. And so 
one other one other thing that we could tap on to that because as you know i am a storytelling coach you are right and helping people tell their personal stories and then can in turn whether they want to start a blog whether they want to speak whether they want to start a podcast and that's another way for them to earn extra income which can help them pay down their debt yes so see so we can combine forces yes and reach the masses i agree 100 percent. i just want people to know like it is totally possible i i come across many people who are like i only make thirty thousand. i make 50 i'm like i did too like i literally made fifty five thousand dollars. but if you can give an extra 100 or 200 it adds up and if you're mindful of your budget and your money you can literally turn your life around like I just, it, it's given me so much freedom and so much peace of mind knowing that if I go to work and it's a toxic environment or it's just not suitable for me anymore that I don't have to stay there. And a lot of people feel beholden to a job or, or whatever the case is because they're in over their heads or they're getting paid very well. I mean, I've had jobs, I've left the hospital and I've taken jobs that paid me good money with bonuses and whatever. And I'm like, I don't like it here. I'm not happy. Peace out. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Christine said last night that her school is looking for teachers. Mm-hmm. And I said, you couldn't pay me enough to work in a school. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you just couldn't. It's like, you have to enjoy what you're doing. And that's not a knock against any teacher. There's people who love that stuff, and that's their passion. It's just not mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not mine. So, my, like I said, my passion is help is helping people. Like, I don't even want to say find their talent, because they already have it. They're just not using it. Mm-hmm. So it's just helping people realizing that you have it. You have the talent. So when I'm talking with people, so one of the guys I'm working with, he, he's all, he's also a trainer. He's also a podcast host. And I'm helping him write write a keynote speech so that he can go around and, you know, get paid for, for do, doing that, that speech. But as we were going through the process, now, mind you, this guy's 60. So he's mm-hmm. 13, 13 years older, older than I am. He's been training a lot longer than I am. But all I did was just take what he told me and just let him see where the power lies. Because so many times people tell their story. Like even when you when you were telling yours, I said the biggest thing you said was, how am I going to get myself out of this mess? Mm-hmm. That's the turning point of the story. You know what I mean? So no matter whatever else you share, when you start sharing that with other people, that's the turning point. I had to dig myself out of this hole. Exactly. You know, so as people are telling their, telling their stories, you know, myself and whoever else decides to work with me, yeah. you know, we're going we're gonna to help people find the power, you know, because people, they're, they're so afraid of telling their, their stories because they're worried about the judgment or the, you know, being too emotional. Like when I was talking about uh the uh, professor passing earlier and it's like, you know, it, it's, it's okay to get emotional. Yes. You know, it, it's like, it's okay to feel things like that makes the story more powerful. Yeah. And you, you also, know? you have to let people know that it's possible because I think like you said, right. People see me, Oh, she doesn't have kids or she's single, but I don't have, I wasn't a high earner. I wasn't making these buku bucks, you know, richy rich. <laughs> that wasn't my situation. I'm just like every other Joe Schmo, you know, but you have to have your aha moment. And for me, it was just like, am I going to pay, be paying these loans until I'm 60 years old? Am I going to be forced to work at a certain job because I need the money? 
Am I going to be forced to live in a certain location because I can't afford to live anywhere else because I owe everyone money? Hell no. Like something has got to change. And every Friday night, I go to sleep in peace. When I wake up on Sunday, peace. Every day of the week, I'm like, I don't hate my job. I don't wake up depressed. Like I have money in the bank. I have savings. If something happens and there's an emergency, I will be okay. So for me, sacrificing those weekends and holidays was worth it to have this peace of mind and this freedom for me to go out and just like pay cash. I don't have to swipe a credit card. If my car breaks down, here's the money, fix it. Yeah, love it. See, mm-hmm. and that's and that's called living free. Yes. You know, it's like we have freedom in this country, but so many people don't live free. No. So, so just before I jumped on with you, I'm actually gonna be featured in five articles. And, and so I was fi- filling out my, my information and one of them, one of them asked, you know, what does success mean to you? And I mention it on this show all the time that success to me is being able to do what I want when I want. Mm-hmm. Like that's success. Like there's no there's no dollar dollar amount, you know, associated with that for me. You know, for other people, it is like I want to have a million do- dollar business. Like I don't I, I don't need any of that. Like I'm comfortable with where I live. I'm comfortable with the car I drive. I'll eventually fix the busted light, but but I'm comfortable with the car I drive. You know, I, I travel when I can. I take take my my getaways here and there, and that's that's all that's all I need. Like I don't need flashy stuff. Like no, I've never been driven by things. Like I just never I never have been. And when I was younger, because I started working when I was twelve, so. Having having money wasn't the issue. Like I, I bought the the newest Jordans, and you know I I, I had nice clothes. I, I was kind of kind of a prep back then. Yeah. Like I, I dressed, you know, with the pull the, the button down shirts, cardigans in the winter. <laughs> you know, it's like I was I was looking fly in the nineties, right? Okay, so. Mister Rural Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> right, I was looking good though, and but but like just as I as I got older, it's like I don't I don't need any of that. You know, it's like I I, I just don't. So I'm the same way. I mean, yeah. my car, I think it's officially considered a hoopty. It really is. I can't put the driver's side window down. So oh, like yeah. if I go through a drive-thru, I got to open the door and place my order. The key I'm, doesn't I'm work. I'm laughing because I've been there. The key doesn't work in the, in the door. Um, the key doesn't work in the trunk. I also don't have a sun visor. And yeah. I could buy a car. But I'm like, hey, this one runs just fine. It gets me where I Damn need right. to go. Yeah. Remember, remember my white van? Yes. <laughs> Remember, I said I'm running this thing till it dies, and I did. Mine's I a, ran it till it died. <laughs> yeah, and mine's a Honda, so it's gonna go for a while. But yeah. I, I think that that's just like the beauty of not owing people money. When I quit my job and I gave notice, my boss said, "Oh, you know, um, where are you going?" I was like, "Nowhere." <laughs> she was like, "Do you have a job?" I'm like, "No." What are you gonna do? I don't know. I'll figure it out. I have some money to get me by. I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it. see, and that's a great place to be, mm-hmm. you know, because so many people, like you said earlier, they're stu- they're stuck in situations because they have to be, mm-hmm. you know, or I should say, because they feel like they have to be. Exactly. Because so, people are afraid to take that leap of faith. Like if I quit this job and I start my business, what happens if it doesn't blow up? Or if I quit my job and, and go to this company and I hate it, what am I going to do? You leave there and you find another job. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, it it, yeah. it it really is that easy. It really is that because I've I've worked in places where I was like, you know what, I'm done here. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm just done. And then you just start 
just flooded out. Like I put I put my notice in and then just started flooding out resumes. And you know, before the two weeks was up, I had something else. That's it. That's what you, you have know, to like do. I mean that's just where I'm at. Like my peace of mind and my happiness is worth so much to me. It's worth more than money. I've had jobs where like my blood pressure was through the roof. I was yeah. like stressed and anxious and I'm like, I can't live like this. This is crazy. All just to make money. Mm-hmm. Forget it, you know? Exactly. And, and and again, like I've shared it on this this platform many times where I was driving. I, I used to drive an hour, you know, to get down to it. I've worked in a restaurant in Connecticut and I'm driving. I just pulled off to the side of the road like and I had a panic attack. I was like 32, I want to say. Mm-hmm. But the heart was racing, was sweating, couldn't breathe. Like it was just like a full blown panic attack. It was just like I don't want to do this anymore. No, it takes a toll on you physically. <laughs> like I just don't, you know, and just it just consumed me, you know, completely consumed me. But of course, I ended up, you know, leaving that job and going to yet another one because because <laughs> at, at the time that was all I knew, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I don't have a college degree. So it's like you just still have that ringing in your brain. If you don't have a college degree, you, you can't do anything. So it's like I didn't think I'd be able to do anything. And then lo and behold, now the majority of my coaching clients, they all have degrees. Yeah. But, but yet they're still paying me because I got skilled in an area that they need. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like and that's the message that, that I give to people. Like it's not saying you don't need need a degree. Like like I said, my son graduated college. Olivia is a junior in college, you know. So I'm not I'm definitely not anti-education, but it's like you can get educated in other ways. Like for me. Yes sitting in a classroom with 600 people at URI listening to the 80 year old psychology instructor who spoke like this didn't work for me. It just didn't. I sat there. I was off in another, another mental space. I wasn't paying attention. Like I just couldn't learn in that environment. And then, so when I went to my marketing seminars and my uh, media seminars and joined my mastermind groups and, had my, my fitness masterminds and I learned everything I needed to learn, you know? And so now I know enough to where I can teach other people. Yes. See, and, and that's where the biggest side hustle, especially nowadays can come. If people need an extra stream of income is take what you know and teach it to someone else. Like there's value in that. So if, if I take someone who's afraid of public speaking and I turn them into a competent speaker they're going to have that skill for life. Exactly. And it's useful in every area of your life. Yes, exactly. And then if you want to, you know, say, get promoted now, now you're going to know how to better connect with your staff. You know, if you're a salesperson, you're going to know how to better connect with your prospects, you know, or your customers. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're into marketing, you're going to know how to better connect with your, with your prospective clients or customers. Like it just changes everything and, and there's a value to that. So it's like if I can teach you or, or the even better, yeah, I go to a CEO of a company and I say, we're going to train your salespeople how to make more sales by better connecting with your customers. What's that worth to you? You know, a whole lot of money. I, I think that's a lot. That's what you need. I, I feel like you have to really find a common point with people. Mm hmm. And I think that's how you make a difference, right? So like I said, you know, I can talk to people till I'm blue in the face, but somebody might find something that's not in alignment with their life. Like I could talk to somebody who has a handful of kids like you 
and they're going to say, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't have kids. You don't have this. You don't have that. You don't know what it's like, right? So you have to find something, a common ground with people to say, okay, I may not have kids, but I know what it's like to be in debt. I know what it's exactly. like to worry about if your car is going to get repossessed. I know what it's like to owe every Tom, Dick, and Harry and have all these credit cards. <laughs> so I know what it's like whether or not I have kids. You know, yeah, in, in, in that same regard, because as you know, I do women's empowerment groups. And th there's always going to be that one person who's like, but, well, you aren't a woman. And I was like, but you know what I am? Human. Mm -hmm. and, and so are you. <laughs> it's like we have basic human needs. I said, so I am qualified to speak on human needs. Yes. Maybe, maybe I can't talk to you about your menstrual cycle. That no, <laughs> I've never experienced that. You know, I can like I can talk you through pregnancy, but I can't relate it. But yeah. like I, I've trained hundreds of pregnant women, and I have five five of my own kids. So <laughs> like I can I can tell you what you're gonna feel in every single month of pregnancy, but I've never felt it. So it's like I can't relate, but I can still talk on it. Mm -hmm. You know, so like there's there's different things. And then it's the same thing with be, being a man. How many women have written books about men? <laughs> you know, right. And it's like yeah. you're, you're not a dude, but you're still qualified to talk about what we do. Or someone like me. Right. <laughs> I don't have kids. Yeah. I've never been pregnant. So I don't I don't know what you're going through. I only know what people tell me or what I've read, but I've never personally experienced it. Yeah. And so if you're speaking to someone who, say, has three, three kids, you still have to budget. If you're in Ooh. debt, you still have to budget. You have to go through and look at what you can cut out. Like, I, I remember years ago, Kelly and I pulled our uh, our bank statements and we just started going through. It's like, holy shit, you spend that much in coffee? Yeah. And, and then with me, it's like, you spend that much in wine? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, we, we eat out too much. Yeah. And we just started going right down the list. It's like, like, I didn't even know I was still paying for Netflix. I haven't watched Netflix in like a year. <laughs> exactly. At, at $20 a month, you know? So but it's like you're fucking 200 bucks. We, we freed up, yeah, we freed up eight fifty a month. That you thought you didn't have, right? And you yes. were like, oh my God, we're broke. We don't have, how are we going to pay this when you yep. were throwing out $850 a month on nonsense? Yep. I was like, holy crap, $850. It's like, mm -hmm. damn. <laughs> 850 times 12, right? Yep. Exactly. Almost $10,000. Yeah. Unreal. It's there. The money is there, but people don't realize it. And, and that's what my goal is to help people realize, okay, you really, there's a good chance you're really not living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. I mean, you may not have thousands of dollars left per month, but you might have a couple hundred. Yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, you put that to good, to good use, mm -hmm. you know, a couple years down the line, you're good. Mm -hmm. You're like one of the girls at, at the gym, like, she and her husband, they just they just bought a house with cash. I that was is like, the goal. I was like, that's what's up. <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. But people like, don't talk about that. They don't yeah. talk about that because they push things on people, right? Oh, get a loan. Get a loan for 30 years. Okay, if I buy a house when I'm 50, I'm going to have to work or make some kind of money till I'm 80, 80. to pay off this house. <laughs> I don't want to work now and I'm 36, you know? Yeah, like, and you hear people say, well, it looks better for, for your credit if you have a loan. I was like, but if I can pay for it in cash, why would I get a loan and then end up having to pay interest? Yeah. Or what does my credit matter if I have the cash? Because yeah. I can have, I may not have a credit score because I've never taken out credit cards or had student loans or whatever, but I've been stacking money my whole working life. Mm -hmm. And now I'm 36 and I have 
$200,000 to put on a house. What does my credit score matter at this point? Yeah, because it's a it's a money grab. Mm -hmm. What it is, because knowing that most people are just going to pay the minimums. So that $200 TV is going to end up costing you $1,500. Exactly. And by the time you're done with it. <laughs> You know, and by and then it'll be broken. So you have to go and do it again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> that's like, that's what they do with car notes too. Mm -hmm. You know, you get, get a, I believe mine was a six year, six year note. Yeah. Cause I think I'm going to be done the end of next year, but then I, I'm just about, about to cross a hundred thousand miles. Mm -hmm. You know, so, but so now I'm going to have to start maintaining the alternator is going to go. Then the starter is going to go. <laughs> then I got to flush the radiator. It's like, I don't have the car note anymore, but I'm still putting 500 bucks a month into it to keep it. Yes, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, I and why do they do that? So you buy a new car. No, they're not getting me. I get phone calls from Honda all the time. Oh, we're in need of your car. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm like, listen. Like, really? You're in your mind? <laughs> I'm like, my car is beat up and i was like secondly i'm driving it to the ground so i will call yep. you when i'm ready exactly <laughs> all right so that is our time see these hour goes by fast it so, does uh, so give us give us a final word it's a final word what, what, what do you got get to tell someone out there like, even someone fresh out of college that may, maybe they're not married maybe they don't have kids yet what would you say to them to, to prioritize getting out of their, their debt don't believe the hype. You do not need a credit card for every single thing in your life. If you have cash, use it and make sure you pay attention to your budget now. Do not let these loans or the credit cards or the car loans creep up on you 10 years from now because you didn't want to address it. And then your loan has tripled. Make arrangements now. I did that. I did that. <laughs> Side hustle if you have to. There is no shame in working another job. Like I've done everything and I'm not embarrassed of what I had to do to get out of debt. And you can do it too. Trust me. It's doable. Love it. Absolutely love it. Melody, thank you very much for joining thank us. Thank you, Robert. Sharing your story. You know, sorry we had we had to start the episode on that sad note. I know. But but you shared a lot of great insights. And uh thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right, don't sign out yet though. Okay. All right, bye. Then that was Melody who dropped some knowledge on how she got out of a hundred and seven thousand plus in debt. She prioritized it. So she's 36 now. She is debt free and she's got options. Doesn't have to worry about paying bills down and she can just live her life without that debt burden on her shoulders. So if you're tuning in late and you don't know what the hell I'm talking about, make sure you go back, watch the whole thing. And I will be back tomorrow with a professional rugby player turned businessman. I should say professional rugby champion turn businessman. All right, we'll see you then. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com.